folks, if you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback. You practice coaching. You practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, the management trinity, one-on-ones. everyone, this is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. Now, one quick note before we get started today. If you're a registered member, you know by now that we've opened up registrations for our New York Effective Manager Conference. The conference is being held on May 20th and 21st at the Marriott Newark Airport Hotel. If you want to attend an exciting two-day conference focused solely on how you can become a more effective manager, this is it. More details are available at the website, www.managertools.com. Okay, so with that, on today's cast. Today's cast begins our series on the management trinity and our reasons for each of its three, well, really four, components, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. We've talked about the management trinity for nearly three years now, but we've never really laid out specifically how and why it works. The best managers we know use these basic principles all the time to make themselves, their teams, and their organizations more effective. All the behaviors and habits in the management trinity are simple to understand, relatively easy to do, and give an exceptional return on a manager's investment. And that's why we recommend them. So here we go, starting with one-on-ones. It is rather surprising that we haven't done a cast on the Trinity. I mean, this is the core of what we recommend to every manager. We, yeah. we haven't done a cast where we talk, not not talk about the specifics, but talk about why and, and what it accomplishes. We just, I don't know. Yeah. I think we missed something there. Yeah, and I think I think what we're getting at, when we say Trinity, I think it's helpful to, to well, we, we say it, but I think there are plenty of people who don't necessarily know what we mean when, when we first say it, when they first hear it. And what we mean by the management trinity is our fundamental beliefs in one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and then, of course, the fourth silent partner delegation. Um, and and no, wait, I, should, I should stop you there. Before people send us a bunch of feedback about calling something that has four things, the trinity, yeah. yes, we can count. but Yes, um, yeah. yeah, we do know. Uh, we happen to like the concept of a trinity. So many things require, you know, a table has three legs to stand on, and there are all kinds of things in history and management that rely on threes. Um, and we have discovered that these are the three most powerful things that great managers and leaders do. Um, and we've also discovered that they, none of them ever talk about delegation. They don't, they don't describe themselves as people who delegate. They just take that for granted, like breathing. They do talk about one-on-ones, feedback, and coaching. Uh, or, or variations subtly on that theme, but but great managers don't talk about delegating; they just delegate. In fact, 
it, it's like asking a fish about the water. You can't do it. They don't see it because they just think, well, that's my job. That's management is to delegate. So that's why we call it the silent fourth partner. I, I do want to say this. Um, I do have some lame excuses. Um, I think probably the biggest reason we've never done a cast on the Trinity is it isn't easy to talk about in terms of what and how to do it. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just not easy to talk about. It, it's an overarching concept or theory. It informs everything we talk about, but it's not easy to talk about in terms of how. Yeah. And, and we always focus on actionable recommendations every week. So, and, and, and given that you really can't do the, the Trinity, we've, we've kind of um, shied yeah. away from it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was a, an assumption that worked for us, but as we, we are constantly reevaluating our assumptions. That's for sure. Um, so, you can do the components, right? You can do one-on-ones, you can do feedback, you can do coaching, you do delegation, but you can't actually do the Trinity, which is what we use to describe the concept of all four of them working together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we did those. So, okay. So now how are we going to make this cast actionable? Yeah. And, and that really relates to to the, the second reason, lame excuse that I have. Um, we really focus on the actionability, as you say, um, and, and that is at least in part due to the other trainings and, and concepts that people are putting out in the management world um, uh, that so often spends way too much time on theory. Um, it's just too theoretical. I, I have a good idea and I want you to do my idea, which, shoot, I mean, it was even the book, The Knowing Doing Gap, which I thought was just fabulous like wow somebody's finally got it and then you read the book and it's really <laughs> doesn't tell you what to do it just describes the gap i'm very frustrated um so look when when folks who come to conferences or hear us present to clients on site we get many many positive comments from people about our discussion which is the lead topic in any of our conferences or an on-site um of the trinity it's the first thing we talk about. We say, look, this is this is our fundamental, uh, it's not a reason for being. This is our underlying principle, and it's based not on what we think, but on what we've seen and what we know to be true about humans. Um, and what we've discovered is many folks, after we go through it, tell us that the, the understanding of the Trinity helps them put the components themselves into action particularly when they hear how it is all connected. And so we don't want to deny people understanding that because it does actually lead to action. And so I guess, lamely, um, the second reason was we just didn't realize the strength of people's understanding of the theory. And now that we do, having gotten so much of the feedback over the last few months, um, we've decided, okay, Let's share it because there are people who, if they had a clear understanding of the theory, would put more of this into action, period. Okay, so let's get started on the four-part trinity. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think what we're planning on doing here is talking about the trinity in a series of casts. I, I think if we try to do it all at once, I, I, I worry a little bit about, you know, we're always trying to be so careful about, um, you, you, you do a good job of breaking the cast down. But if we did this as all one big, long you know, cast, you'd have trouble, I think, breaking it down into bits. And so we're going to start on the first cast of our cast about the Trinity. And and it's going to be at least two parts. It may be four, um, one for each. Um, and we want to make them hey, short hey, and hey, sweet. Hey, um, you, you, you guy out there in, in, in California listening, I heard you moan. 
don't don't do the moaning. I, I can hear you. <laughs> so so you're worried. Uh, uh, should we be worried about four parts? Or, um, I, I I think people will moan, but hopefully once we've we go through it, I think folks will find it really valuable. So I I think yeah. we just have to beg people's indulgence at this point, and then they can give us some feedback on the forums or on the blog. Yeah, oh yeah, they'll but, give us. I'm sure we'll get feedbacks, which all the way escalate all the way up to. I don't want to listen to you anymore because um, you're not talking specifically to me, which is okay. We understand. We respect that. I hope not. Uh, we know that a four-part thing concerns people. And yet, didn't we just have a client say that one of the things they wanted to do and with internal licensing, Mike, was the, the first cast they chose was on on, on reviews, on, on giving annual reviews, right? Yep, absolutely. And that's a four-part cast. And we agonized over that a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so... Enough agony. So it worked. Let's do it. So, yeah, good. Okay, sorry. All right. So let's start with one-on-ones. Okay. Um, the way we'll break this cast down is we're going to take um, uh, one-on-ones and we're going to talk about the concept briefly, and then we're going to talk about two key underlying uh, uh, drivers of it, which is number one, what it aims to achieve, what what one-on-ones aim to achieve, in a manner of speaking, why we do it. And then related to that, part B, if you will, is how they achieve it. In other words, what one-on-ones cause to happen, which ends up creating the result that you want. So two parts, what they aim to achieve and how they achieve. And we're going to, I, I, our plan is to do that for each of the four parts of the Trinity. I love saying that for each of the four parts of the Trinity. Okay. So let's, let's, let's get on with one-on-ones. What they uh, aim to achieve. What do you mean by that? And what do they aim to achieve? Yeah. Um, um, we've worked with thousands of managers. I think it's probably safe to say now tens of thousands of managers um, if, if, if you wanted to count the number of people who've listened to our cast, it's hundreds of thousands, I guess. But, but what we're counting here when we say tens of thousands is managers we've, we've observed, we've watched doing their jobs day to day. We've seen good managers. We've seen bad managers. We've seen ethical and unethical managers, brilliant intellectuals, and managers who would say about themselves that they're not terribly smart, but they wink at us and they do terribly well. Um, great management is not pre- uh, predicated on being brilliant. It doesn't hurt, but it's not predicated on it. Um, and if you ask us, based on everything we know about management, what the most common theme is among the very best managers we know, I'll say it again. If you ask us what the most common theme is among the very best managers of no, who we know, it is not, as so many newer managers think, drive or smarts or dominance or industry knowledge. It is not expertise. It is great professional relationships with their directs. One-on-ones exist to encourage professional relationships with directs. And I want to talk about each one of those things um, in a little bit of detail. And then I want to state something that probably will surprise a few thousand people out there, but I want to be clear. We do not think that every great manager does one-on-ones exactly the way we recommend them. People are always saying, you know, my CEO, he's great, and he doesn't do one-on-ones the way you do. He does a little bit differently. Fine. We don't. We would not argue that point. What we're talking about here is that the underlying theories, the underlying concepts are what great managers 
know, even if they can't talk about them, what they know is different than what they do. So we teach one-on-ones, we, we recommend one-on-ones as a form of behavior that is teachable, that will deliver the encouragement of professional relationships through regular communication. There are other ways to achieve professional relationships with regular communication. I, I will tell you that the primary one that most managers say is, I talk to my people all the time. That is, that does not encourage professional relationships with your people. It encourages them telling you what they're doing, what they're working on, but that does not encourage professional relationships. And, it, and quite frankly, your directs do not feel as Mike, as you always are talking about it when, when, when there's unscheduled time, it, it, it does not feel like regular communication to be a direct and to be asked, Hey, how's it going? How are the kids? Um, if you're direct, people don't feel that way. One-on-ones are a teachable set of behaviors that deliver professional, that encourage and deliver professional relationships through regular communication. There are perhaps other ways to do it. This is the best one we know. And if we went out and just started talking about the theory, hey, look, you need to encourage professional relationships, we'd be, the, we'd be doing the very same disservice that so many other organizations do, so many other consultants do, so many other books do, which is say, you need to be nice, you need to be warm, you need to be friendly, you need to be strategic. And the managers all read it and go, gee, I think I'm pretty nice and friendly and warm and strategic. What do you want me to do? Well, we're telling you, the underlying concept is to encourage professional relationships through regular communication. <laughs> And we're telling you the way to do that, the way to make that happen is one-on-ones. And we've got, those of you who have heard the one-on-ones cast, we've got detailed reasons why it works the way it does. But we want to make a distinction between the actual teaching, which is one-on-one, the, con- the, the actual behavior, and the concepts that it delivers to so beautifully. And right now, what we're talking about is the concept. Why one-on-ones? Not the details of the one-on-one itself, but why, right? That. That was probably the longest soliloquy, but I, <laughs> I hope we get lots of feedback about that because that's an important one. I think there are people who out there say, oh, I know, boss, he's good. He doesn't do one-on-ones or she's great. She doesn't do one-on-ones. Okay. And, and, and that's good. She's in the top 5% or, or, or maybe that person's just getting ready to crash and burn at, at the other end of the spectrum, but they probably do something else, which encourages professional relationships through regular communication. Okay. Okay. So, so. We, we, we've all known managers who don't do one-on-ones, but there are some things that they do in their communications beyond just talking to their people all the time, which is what yep. we hear all the time. Um, yeah. But there's some things that they do in those communications that one-on-ones encourage, uh, and we can teach it, so we do. Um, what what are those things? What, what's okay. what's different about their communications versus ones that are walking around all the time, talking to people all the time, yep. yet don't develop a professional relationship? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause just a little bit and go back. I just want I promised I would I would define each of the parts of the what what we're shooting for, which is the encouraging professional relationships. Let's start with the word encourage, and let let's remember something. Encouraging the, the core of that word is courage. Courage is not about the past. We're going to talk about this again in detail when we talk about feedback. Um, great managers are fundamentally encouragers. Um, people don't talk about horribly demanding bosses um, that are negative um, without saying he, you know, they, they don't say that people who are negative and down on everybody are great bosses. Um, if a boss encourages, that's a, that is a key start to being great. Um, but we say encourage because we're talking about the future. Wherever you are as a manager, whatever you're doing or not doing now, 
anything you can do to encourage professional relationships, and encouragement is about the future, it's where, however bad you've been up till now, when you start doing one-on-ones, you will encourage professional relationships, assuming ethical behavior. And, and we want to be clear that it's about the future. Great management is always about the future. It's not about what happened. And too many managers are busy collecting reports and of things of what happened and not thinking about what it means for tomorrow. Too many managers want to punish behavior rather than giving feedback, which does not punish because punishment's about the past. So we're going to encourage professional relationships. And professional relationships are one that lead to better results, but at the same time, honor the individual because it is an individual who is doing the work. And I, I just I just wanted to make clear that encouraging professional relationships. That's the what. Um, and, and what you're getting at is, okay, what do you mean by relationships? And I'm just going to be very clear that that there is uh, there are better ways to have professional relationships. And what you're asking, and of course, rightfully so, is how do we do that? So let's 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 just say this for now. Um, if you want a, a great relationship, but we, we, you mentioned the word team, and I think I have too. Um, everybody wants to be a part of a great team. You and I have been parts of great teams before. I would even argue that some of the work I did with you, uh, with you as a client, there, there was a team feeling among your directs and you and me as well. And people, in fact, I still have emails that I've excerpted that I keep on my phone that say, I don't know how you did it, but man, we're in a different place than we were before. Um, I think of people that, that I've worked with in various causes and various lines of work, and I think, man, that was a team. And other times, not a team. Um, when managers say, gosh, I want my people to behave like a team, I kind of roll my eyes initially because it's, it's, uh, the, the feeling of team is uh, everyone, anyone who's been on, been on one knows what it's like, a high-performing team, one that people connect with and so on. And, and what they want is, is, is um, they want magic. And magic is not easily dispensed. There's not a box with magic in it on the corner of your cubicle. What we can say is this. If you want a team, then you must go for, you you must attempt to achieve the fundamental underpinning of all great teams, which is trust. If you want to go to an offsite and have go to a ropes course or go to an experiential course, knock yourself out. They don't work. I know there's somebody listening right now who's a trainer or a coach or, or <laughs> yeah. perhaps an experiential trainer who's saying, I can't believe you just said that. I'm sorry. We love you. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Okay. You can't go somewhere else and achieve a team feeling. You can't. Now, there are things you do out there that well, you are- can, Well, you can go out and, and achieve a team feeling for a period of 45 minutes or a day. Yeah. Just <laughs> Good point. Team. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're so right. you get the feelings. You're just not yeah. a team. It's, yeah, it's not. It doesn't last, right? right? It's like it's like cotton candy. Oh, it tastes good for a second, and then it's gone. Um, there's a lot of cotton candy out there in the management world. I'm afraid. Um, if you want a team, you the the key to achieving a team is simply to build trust. Now, there are some experiential trainers. As an example, I pick on them a little bit. We the little joke about the trust fall as training. Um, in fact, you can do things that in, improve trust. Although if you do it offsite, people tend to leave all of the training, all of the learnings offsite rather than bring it back to the office because they feel like it helps somewhere different. You don't need to go anywhere else. You don't need to spend any money at all. This is free. Teams are free, just like quality is free. Teams are free. And what, what, you, what all teams have, all great teams have, is a high degree of trust. So smart managers say, 
Okay, Mark and Mike. Yeah, how do I get trust? <laughs> yeah, how do I get trust? Well, I want Let some me of do that, that trust that stuff, and it'll be good. Well, we alluded to the ethical thing first, so we're 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 going to mention that, and then we're going to say this: you don't need to study management to know how to get trust. Biology has done it for us. Okay, human behavior one on one, which leads, of course, into organizational behavior, will tell you everything you need to know about how to get trust. All human beings evaluate trust based on their relationship with another person. Simple as that. If I have a stronger relationship with you, I tend to degrade you more highly in terms of my trust of you and and vice versa, generally speaking, although there are times when people describe their relationships with one another differently. Fundamentally, if you want a team, if you want the extra performance that teams give, even though I know there are people out there who would say, you can't have a team if you have a boss and so on. We're gonna, we're, we'll talk about that some other time. If you want a team, you must go after trust. If you want trust, you must have a relationship with other people. And this is what great managers know. I've got to have a relationship with these folks who are working for me, with all my directs, if I want to have trust, if I want that extra 10 to 20% performance, which who wouldn't, right? If everybody suddenly was 10% more effective, every company that started doing that would be much more profitable than they are now. Um, if you want trust, which is what you have to have for a team, the fundamental thing that human beings say is you, I want to have a relationship with you. That's the core. I have to feel I have a relationship with you. I can't trust you if I don't know you, if I don't see you, if I don't engage with you and be able to observe your behavior or observe your work product and get to know that if A happens, you're going to do B. And every time A happens, it's very likely you're going to do something that looks like B. I want you to be predictable. I want you to be honest and so on. We can talk about all those things, all those Bs. Um, but then the question the manager asks is, okay, fine. I want a team. I know I have to have trust. I got to be ethical to do that. But then in order to have trust, I've got to build a relationship with people. Okay, Mark and Mike, how do I build relationships? That's easy. And this is where the how comes in of one-on-ones. It's very easy to do. And many managers don't want to do it. I think there's all kinds of good reasons why. But look, if you don't want to engage in the behavior that 10,000, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution have proven to be true. That's okay. Just don't complain that you don't get the result that you want, right? Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I love that. It's cognitive dissonance to, to the max in, in management. I, well, I don't want to do that, but I still want the results. That's like tell one of your guys saying, I don't want to come to work, but I still want you to pay me. You know, that's why we have payroll systems. You didn't come to work. We're not going to pay you. Well, if you want a team, you got to have trust. If you want to have trust, you got to have a relationship. And if you want a relationship with other people, you've got to communicate regularly with them. It's as simple as that. Ooh. If you want to measure relationships, sociologists say when we measure relationships, we look at how often you communicate with other people. And they go a step further. They say, look, when we see high-performing relationships, which leads to trust, which leads to teams, which leads to high performance. When we see that, we know there are two things going on. We know that human beings uh, measure communication based on two criteria, quality and quantity of that communication. If you want to know who you're closest to and who you have the most trusting relationship with of people around you, the first thing you do is measure how frequently you communicate with them. 
And this, by, by the way, this leads into the entire discussion that has existed in the last few years about, about the unofficial network, the shadow network in the company, the, the, not the line and block chart, not the power relationships, but the, but the, uh, the connector relationships, the influence relationships in organizations that has become so popular. And, and I happen to think very powerful. Um, and it's always amazing to me how engineers say, how do those marketers get stuff done? They're not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> and the marketers say, yeah, we're not smart about that. We're smart about people. And any time I want to get something done, I know somebody who's where they need to be in order to help me get it done. It's that informal influencing relationships that can make such a big difference in organizations. So anyway, I'm sorry, little, little aside there. Uh, um, so the two things we're looking for is quantity and quality of communication. That is what every human being uses as a primary tool or tools to evaluate their relationships with other people. They instinctively measure how often you talk to them and then the quality of the communication you you, you engage with with them. Okay, and then, well, I, and, I, or I can see where one-on-ones um, help with the qu- the quantity, right? Because we're talking about once a, a week and there's reasons for that. We'll, I'm sure we'll right. touch on later. Um, but how about the quality piece of it? Yeah, this is a good one. All you have to do again, I, I'm, you know, maybe we didn't study it in school, but I sure, I sure appreciate that there are people out there paying attention to human behavior, measuring it, putting it through the scientific process, and saying, "Look, there's overwhelming data that suggests," and th- this will shock some people who haven't heard us say it before. If you want high quality communication with other people, you must simply talk to them about things that are important to them. And that is why, for those of you who have heard it, one-on-ones start off with the direct. If you want to have a great relationship with your team, which or relationship with your directs, if you want, if you want to encourage professional relationships with your directs, because you believe that will lead to trust, which it does, and to team, a team feeling, which gives you more performance, which it does in many, many cases, assuming ethical behavior and the predictability and so on, you must simply communicate more frequently with them about things that are important to them. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it is fairly easy to do. It is easy to understand. For some managers, it's hard to do because they don't want to spend a half an hour with everybody every week, even though if you add up a half an hour every week, it's only three days a year you're spending in co- coordinated direct time with each of your directs. I can't imagine you would say to your boss, no, I don't need three days a year from you. And if you wouldn't say, if you wouldn't say, I don't want three days from my boss, then you better not deny that to your directs. Um, that's all it takes. Regular communication, which has the ability to deliver trust, which is quantity and quality. Quantity is, and we'll talk more about this when we go through the one-on-ones, weekly, and there's all kinds of great reasons for that, but this is not a cast to describe the details of one-on-ones. It is simply to describe the connection between the teachable behavior of one-on-ones and the underlying rationale for it, which is encouraging professional relationships. That comes from communication. And if you want to measure communication, it's frequency and quality. And quality is what the other person wants to talk about, even if it's not high on your list, boss. Wow. And and I just want to say one more thing, and and this is where sometimes when we're with clients, people raise their eyebrows and say, I can't believe he just said that. And oftentimes you and I say it in order to help people understand that we're not 
being paid to tell the to pay managers and organizations. We're not being paid by an executive to tell managers what the executive wants to tell them. We're telling them what we want to tell them. And it's very simple. We don't care whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter whether you like biology. You've got it. It doesn't, we don't care whether you like the genetics that caused you to start out being who you were before you started making choices in life. The fact is that affects you. We don't care whether you like that the earth is round. It's mostly round. We don't care. Okay. You, that, that horseman's ninth, ninth law, embrace reality, folks. The fact is human beings interact with each other in predictable patterns and methods. If you want to have a great relationship in, a, in an organization of any size where there's a boss and subordinate relationship, which is who we're talking to, we, we define management narrowly as what managers do with their directs to make the team and the manager more effective. You must communicate more frequently with them about things that are important to them. If you ex- Whether you accept those two things or not, they are fundamentally true. Well, unless, and, you're, unless you're a rat managing other rats, but yeah. we're humans. Okay. Yeah, we, we we sometimes don't make our assumptions obvious, but we have some assumptions about human beings in organizations that that we think is is clearly identified by the word management. But sometimes we we uh, we want to revisit those assumptions just as we alluded to earlier. Yeah, just and if you do, in order to do that, if all we did was walk around and saying, "Here's what you need to do," we would pretty quickly go out of business because we would say, "Yeah, they sound like everybody else. They they sound like." Everybody else who tells us what to do or tells us, here, here are the things we should try to do, but they don't tell us how. The how of all of this relationship, teams, trust, relationship, communication, quantity, and quality is one-on-ones. That's it. There are people who will argue with us. Well, I don't want to do one-on-ones. Well, okay. I'll tell you, it's the most teachable, behaviorable, measurable, simple thing that we know of to get to the possibility for high performance. That's what we know. Is it possible there's something else? Absolutely. And if you're a way bottom performer or a way top performer, we encourage you to try it. One-on-ones exist to make the core of management behaviors, human behaviors, and the relationships that exist between them teachable. Pretty simple. Good. Well, and I hope we get lots of feedback on this because, again, we tend to focus on actionable, and we don't spend a lot of time on theory. And this was... The theory behind the behaviors that we talk about, um, and, and frankly, I think very useful indeed. But it, it's not what we typically do. So everybody, give us some yeah. feedback. Let us know whether this was useful or not. Yep, great, cool. Thanks, my friend. So next next Thanks, time partner. we're going to talk about um, some of the theory behind. We actually have theory behind feedback and yeah, coaching and delegation and, as well. And again, we don't want to become the theory guys. We want to become we, we want to be continue to be after three years nearly the action guys. Um, and and so what we're saying is there are many people out there that want to know the theory. We're going to share the theory with you. Um, and and um, we believe that for many of you, the theory will help you engage in the behaviors. And I'll say it one more time. This cast was about one on ones. If there was only one thing that Mike and I could do for the rest of our management Uh, development lives, it would be one-on-ones. Not because we necessarily like it, but because we know it's the single biggest lever that managers have. Because if you've ever felt like a part of a team and you want to have that again, all the feedback and coaching and delegation in the world will not get you nearly as far as the time spent in one-on-ones. It is the most powerful and effective management tool ever invented. Cool. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, partner. 
Okay, that's it for today's cast. A little theory for once. Maybe not what we normally do, but if an understanding of the theory behind one-on-ones helps you actually do them, well, then we won't consider it a waste of time. Let us know what you think about this experiment on the website, www.managertools.com. So, we'll see you next week. So long, folks. Yeah.